listening to a Sharesies podcast. Tēnā tātou katoa is the 28th of September. This is Recap made for you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create the most financially empowered generation. And of course, here's the financial disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. Hi Alice. Hi Jose, how's it going? Good thanks, how are you? I'm great, I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, shall, shall we start off with what's been happening locally today? Absolutely. Well, I have an update from Rua Bioscience. Uh-huh. Before we get into it, can you just give an update on what Rua Bioscience does? Absolutely. So they are an integrated pharmaceuticals company that's been a real pioneer in the New Zealand cannabis sector. They were the first company in the country to receive a license to cultivate cannabis for research purposes. Uh, Now on top of that, Rua is listed on the New Zealand Stock Exchange and is the first Māori founded company to be publicly listed in Aotearoa. Thanks very much for that. So what was their update today? Uh, Well, Rua has received a certification from MedSafe, which is the New Zealand Medical Regulatory Board run um, by the Ministry of Health. Now, this certification is called the Good Manufacturing Practice or GMP certification and is the global standard for all pharmaceuticals. Now, it certifies that Rua can manufacture a product that's consistently safe and of an acceptable quality. Mm, Interesting. I guess my question is, though, what does this enable Rua to do that they couldn't do before? Well, this certification enables the company to start producing their first medicinal cannabis product, um, a cabin, cannabinoid, really struggle to say that, um, <laughs> or a CBD oil. Yeah, it's a hard <laughs> word. It looks like it should be in like an animorph uh, episode or something like that. <laughs> I know, it looks like asteroid or something. Yeah. But anyway, back on track. Um, it's now, now, this um, GMP certification is a prerequisite for both domestic and export sales. Uh, and as Roa's CEO, Rob Mitchell said, it's a significant milestone for the company. And it means that they've moved a long way down the path to being allowed to manufacture products. All oh, right. So does this mean the company hasn't been selling products before this? No, it hasn't. So Rua is very much still in its startup research phase, so it doesn't yet make any money from customers. Right, okay. So what are the next steps for Rua then? Well, the next stage for the company, they said, is submitting an application to the Medicinal Cannabis Agency. Again, this agency is run by the Ministry of Health. Now, Rua said that they aren't sure how long this process will take, but when it is completed, they anticipate being able to supply product uh, for the domestic market by 2022. Now, providing this all goes ahead, manufacturing will take place at Rua's purpose-built facility in Gisborne, and the CBD oil will be available in New Zealand as a prescription-only medicine. Right. And just how big is the medicinal cannabis market in New Zealand? Well, funny you ask, actually. So Rua, in their announcement today, actually included some numbers. So luckily, I have this right on hand. Uh, First, CBD oils are commonly prescribed in New Zealand to deal with pain, epilepsy, and anxiety. Now, data released by the Ministry of Health shows that the number of 
um, packs of medicinal cannabis prescribed and supplied in New Zealand is growing at an average rate of 250% per year. Wow, really interesting. Thank you very much, Alice. All right, time to head over to the electric car desk. Jose, it sounds like Ford has made a pretty big announcement today. Yeah, they have indeed. So Ford announced today that it is making what amounts to the largest ever single manufacturing investment in the history of the company. The company's been around for 118 years. So Ford says it's going to spend $7 billion US billion to build three new plants and a factory to make electric pickup trucks and electric batteries for cars. It's a joint venture with a South Korean supplier called SK Innovations. SK will be chipping in $4.5 billion. Well, that, so that is quite a big move. Can you break down exactly what they'll be building? Sure. So the three plants are going to be over two sites. The first is in Tennessee. It will employ 5,800 people working in a battery manufacturing plant. Uh, There'll also be a recycling facility. There'll also be an area for parts suppliers and a plant for making electric trucks. Now, the second smaller site is in Kentucky. That'll employ uh, 5,000 people who will be working in two battery factories. Okay, interesting that the Tennessee site will uh, house suppliers as well. So is this about Ford wanting to control its own supply chain? Uh, Yeah, it seems like we mentioned the semiconductor shortage almost every week on Recap uh, because it's having a huge effect on industries and in general the, the supply chain issues are across the board. Uh, It's something Ford's Chief Operating Officer Lisa Drake addressed in an interview, saying that this this investment was in part about trying to avoid the disruptions they've experienced this year. But they're also clearly trying to meet where the EV market might go. Drake was pretty clear that the company believed the market was going to transform over the next few decades, and they wanted to be able to grow capacity as the market expanded. Yeah, I was going to say the semiconductor shortage. We almost need like a separate recap segment for it, the amount of times we talk about it. (laughs) We need like a long form (laughs) podcast all about it. I mean, it would be pretty interesting. It's quite fascinating, the kind of um, the ins and outs of it. Yeah, but um, on top of that, it does seem like a lot of car makers are also starting to ramp up their electric production. Is that the case? Yeah, it looks that way. Um, Other companies are investing in plants making batteries and electric cars. So, for example, GM said earlier this year that it plans to build four plants in the US in the next couple of years and to stop producing ICEs or internal combustion engines altogether by 2035. Uh, Toyota wants to sell 2 million EVs a year by 2030. Uh, It's not all plain sailing, though. Almost lost um, with Ford's big investment news was the story that the company was recalling its first mass electric uh, SUV, the Mustang Mark E. Apparently, there's concerns that the windshield and roof could leak and and even possibly fly off in a crash or while driving. And that's just the latest in a series of issues with the Mark E, including previous recalls, software problems and delayed deliveries. All right, then, so back to Ford's plans for these electric car plants. Is there a timeline for production on this? Yes, so Ford says the factories will begin production of uh, batteries and cars in 2025. Thanks, Jose. Now, for our last story of today, I thought I'd bring it back a bit closer to home. Well, not quite, but at least to Australia. Close enough. What have you got for us? Uh, Now, this actually goes back to a story that we talked about ages ago on recap I'm talking like two months ago I can't even remember what happened this morning so I'm highly unlikely (laughs) to remember what happened two months ago but I'm happy to try so what's this about 
Uh, well, at the end of July, we reported about a takeover offer that Wiz Farmers had made to acquire Australian Pharmaceutical Industries. Now, both of these companies are listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. Wiz Farmers is a huge, diverse company that owns Kmart and Bunnings Warehouse, among other things, while Australian Pharmaceutical Industries, or API, as its name suggests, is a pharmaceuticals company that has operations in Australia and New Zealand, including owning the Priceline pharmacy chain. I mean, this is jogging something to my memory, but it's pretty vague. Fill me in on the details. Uh, well, Wes Farmers, as I mentioned, made an offer to buy API. Uh, they decided that among the world of Bunnings snags and Kmart homeware goods, they also wanted some pharmaceuticals in the mix. Uh, they said that this would form up a new healthcare division of Wes Farmers. Now, at the time when we reported on it, API's board had turned down the offer. They were like, nope, it undervalues our company, so it's not going to be in the best interest of our shareholders. Oh, so, so what happened then? Well, Wes Farmers came back with a higher offer two weeks ago. Now, I, I believe you actually talked about this on Recap. Uh, their first offer was at $1.38 per share, uh, but this new offer was for $1.55. And points for persistence, uh, this paid off for Wes Farmers. API was more receptive to this higher offer, and it has said that they're progressing to the next stage with Wes Farmers. Now, this involves Wes Farmers doing due diligence on API, so looking more closely at the business and analyzing it further. But I take it there's still more to the story, right? Absolutely. So now another player has entered the scene, creating some competition for Wes Farmers. I'll grab my popcorn. So yesterday afternoon, API announced that uh, they had received another takeover offer, this time from a company called Sigma Healthcare. Now, Sigma Healthcare are another ASX-listed company, and they are another key player in the pharmaceutical space. So unlike Wes Farmers that's not already in this this space, um, but is looking to be, Sigma's already in the industry and says that a merger would create efficiencies between the two companies. Right, so what's API said about this offer from Sigma? Well, a key piece of information here is that Sigma's offer is slightly higher than Wes Farmer's. Uh, the Sigma offer implies a value of $1.57 per API share. That's compared to that $1.55 from Wes Farmer's. So API's board has recognised that it could be more favourable to their shareholders than the Wes Farmer's one, although it would take a longer period of time to complete the transaction because the two companies would merge together. So what happens from here? Uh, from here, uh, the two companies can make what they call a binding offer. So that's like a more locked in offer to API once they've had a chance to look at the company in more detail. Uh, and then they can negotiate from there. Now, API has said that there's no certainty that either of these offers will actually result in anything, uh, but they will keep the market informed in accordance with what they're required to tell shareholders. Great. Thanks very much, Alice. And oh, that's it. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. That was recap for the 28th of September. And as always, we would really appreciate if you could give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely, really help out. Matiwa. Kakiteyano.